Thank you for that. Well, it's good again to have Brother DeLong. Thank you again for coming. He'll be here this week teaching in the college. He'll be preaching chapel on Tuesday. And uh, again, on Wednesday night, uh, he'll be speaking for us. This week, I'm going to take the school, uh, several of the school kids to a uh, youth conference, and I'll be gone uh, on Wednesday night. So um, I'll be in church. My wife will probably be skipping church, but I'll be in church. And uh, that'll be this coming Wednesday. Philippians chapter 2 tonight is where we want to pick up in our, our kind of a Bible study uh, that we've been going through. And again, just walking through this, the young people are memorizing this in school. That's, I think, what uh, kind of was the seed thought to doing this. Uh, this book, but in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 through 11, again, just flip through this, I don't know if you mark your Bible, verses 1 through 11, we talked about how uh, Apostle Paul prayed for the church at Philippi, in verse number 9, he says, and this I pray, the three things that he prayed for is that they would love more, have spiritual discernment, and be without offense. And then in verse number 12 through 21, the key verse was really verse number, thir- uh, verse number 12, but I would that you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me, thought that thought on why, uh, of course, he was in prison when he said that, why this happened or why was he in prison? Why do bad things happen? And he talked about verses 12 through 21 to further the gospel, to embolden the saints and to magnify Christ. And then I think it was last week, could have been last week, I'd lose track of time, but verse 22 through 30, we talked about why we're needed. Verse number 24, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And Apostle Paul said it was for your furtherance, for your joy, and for uh, the example. And so we looked at all that to the end of the chapter. So we're going to pick it up in chapter number 2 tonight. And just a simple thought, verses 1 through 8, we'll look at together. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you again for the Bible. And Lord, again, help us not just to have knowledge, uh, but Father, we have understanding. And then, Father, we would take what we know, what we understand, and we would put it into practice and be wise. Give us now wisdom beyond our years. Draw us closer to you. Lord, help us not to have any distraction tonight. What you once said, Father, may that happen tonight. What you don't want said, would you again strike from my mind and from all of our thoughts. Lord, may we think about you and what you have for us as individuals. Lord, help us to have your mind as we look at that tonight, that we'd have the mind of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This is a somewhat familiar passage. We've, I'm sure I've preached and you've heard messages preached on this passage. I just want to point out some things tonight, and I want to give you one thought about really what the mind of Christ is. There's three different things, but really one thought about having the mind of Christ. Let's look at our Bible now, chapter number 2, verse number 1. The Bible says, if there, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy. So Apostle Paul is talking to this church, and four times he says, if any. Now, what Paul's trying to stress here, it is, it, the idea is, is that the Philippian church had some type of division going on. And he says, now listen, if you're saved, then this is the kind of mind that you're supposed to have. Uh, we, again, look, re, again, just so we are all understanding what's going on. Chapter 1, verse 27, look at it. He says at the end of chapter 1, verse 27, only let your conversation, your behavior, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So he's talking to the church at Philippi from prison, and he's saying, hey, listen, <clears throat> you guys ought to strive together. You ought to be at one. The church family, again, uh, let me say some elementary thoughts. We're all different. Nobody's the same in here. Our personalities are different. The way we were raised is different. Our experiences are different. Some of you came from different kind of churches. Some of you come to, church, come to this church here, and if you're not careful, you'll have the mindset, well, that's not what my church did back where. Can I just tell you that where God places you, that's your church. That's your church. This is where, if this is where God placed you, and this is the will of God. I, I want to say this, too, if you don't mind. Don't move unless you know that you got a church. Now, I don't know of anybody moving, but I'm just telling you, you never move unless you know first there's a church there. You say, man, they've got this job there, and I'm going to make a lot of money. All the money in the world can't buy you spirituality. 
All the money in the world can't save your family. Amen. I want to tell you something. It's important. It, God uses the church. You can't get around that. God uses the church. Your, your walk with God is of utmost importance. And part of your walk with God is coming to church, hearing the word of God speak and preach. And by the way, it's not just the preaching of the word of God. You need the fellowship of believers. You need to be around other Christians. Church, let me think for a moment. You're out in that lost world on a regular basis, and you have to rub shoulders with people who are lost. And I don't care how moral they might be or how good they might be, they're still lost. They don't think the same. They're, in most cases, they're not going to act the same. And I want to just tell you something. It's important for you to come and be a part of the fellowship of believers, and you need to be around. Hey, can, can I go a step farther tonight? Thank you. Listen, I want to tell you something. You ought to be as much as you possibly can be. And I, I feel like as your pastor, I don't put pressure on you about these areas. But I want to just tell you, it's for your sake. You need to be a part of everything you can be at. Amen. There is nobody in here that can be at every soul winning time. There's nobody in here that can be at every activity. There's nobody in there that can be at every baby shower and every, everything that's going on. But I want to tell you something. The church ought to be a, a center point of your life, not an, not an extra. Amen. That's right. You need it. Your, your family needs it. Hey, listen, there's going to be a lot of other things in this world that are going to be draws to you. Hey, can I tell you something? It's not going to be how important your kid was because he was on a sports team of some sort and, and how well he did. And I want to tell you something. I like sports, and I like it that my kids succeed in sports. But there's something more important than a basketball and a hoop, a baseball hit, and there's something more important than being able to throw, throw, throw something like better than everybody else. It's called your child's walk with God and doing the will of God for their life. God's will is what's important in that child's life. Young people look at me tonight. I love sports, and I want to tell you something. I, I wouldn't fault you. I like basketball. I like football. I hate soccer. But I like all those things. But you've got to be careful that you do not allow sports to become the focal point because somebody clapping their hands because you can do something athletically is not going to be near important than God to be able to say at the judgment seat of Christ, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So Paul here is saying, hey, listen, there's some division going on there, and this is not a good thing. And so he starts chapter number two. He says, if any, if any, if any. He says, listen, if there's any consolation in Christ, if there's any mercy, if there's any truth, if, if there's any of this going on, then, look at the next verse now, chapter number two, verse number two. If, if any, four times, then fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Now, you've noticed, maybe you have it circled, last word in verse number two is the word mind. Also in verse number three, lowliness of mind, the word mind is used in verse three. He goes on to say, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Then the word mind is used one more time in verse number five. Let this mind be in you, which was where? Now, church, I want to talk to you for that idea tonight of the mind of Christ, let this mind, I, I think you understand the first words let, you have to choose to do it. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, church family, I want to point out just three things in verses number one to eight. The kind of mind that Christ had. Now, I know there's things in here that we could really pinpoint following verse number five, and we will. But I want you to notice in verses numbers three through eight, the kind of mind that Christ had. Now, I have, I'm sure, said, and you have, I'm sure, read that the mind of Christ is beginning in verse number six and on. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to say, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. 
Now, I would not disagree, and I will use those verses tonight to show you the mind of Christ, but I don't believe the mind of Christ started in verse number 6, and the reason I don't believe that is because um, under the inspiration of God, Paul uses the word mind in verse number uh, 2 and verse number 3. Now, I, I drew an arrow from verse number 5 and went back up to verse number 2 and 3 because part of the mind of Christ is what Paul was trying to stress to the church at Philippi. He said, these are some things that Christ, by the way, when we talk about mind, we're talking about the attitude, the thought of how Christ looked at things. And tonight, here's the thought. Let's look at it quickly together. In verse number 3 and 4, the first part that I see as far as the mind of Christ, and let me read the verse first, and then we'll look at it. Verse Verse 2 says, fulfill you my joy. Now he's talking to the church of Philippi. They must have been having problems. Fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now if I can summarize Verse 2, 3, and 4, as far as the mind of Christ, here's what I would say. Jesus thought of others. Jesus thought of others. You know, isn't it interesting that he says the second greatest commandment is to love thy neighbor as who? You know, I want to tell you something. The mind of Christ is us. You ever thought about this in Psalm chapter 8? Forgive me, I think it's verse 5, but he says this. He says, uh, uh, isn't that great? Here's what he said. It's coming back, okay? It comes slow. But you remember how many times I've said and, and that, uh, oh, as far as Christ's mind on us, help me out here. You don't even know where I'm going. All right, let me look at my notes. Hold on one second here. All righty, Psalm chapter number eight is not there. Church family, I know you would like to look at Psalm chapter eight tonight. So if you will flip over to Psalm chapter eight, I am having a mental block, but guess what? It is on the pages of scripture, all right? Psalm chapter 8, so instead of quoting this, would you look at me, it's verse number 4, all right, Psalm chapter 8, verse number 4, apologize about that, look at verse 4 with me, it says, what is man, let's just read it together, ready out loud, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him, now think about the Lord Jesus Christ, why would he even think about us, and I want to tell you why, because that's the mind of Christ, you know, we talk about for God so loved the world, but can I just tell you, God not only made man, he loves man. He thinks of man. I mean, we talk about the eyes of the Lord on every place. We are on God's mind continually. And can I tell you that if you're going to have the mind of Christ, we have to get this as, as is very clear here in Philippians chapter 2. Let me read the verse before I say it. Fulfill you my joy. I'm sorry, verse number 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in loneliness of mind. Can I just tell you? Through strife or vainglory is just simply selfishness and pride. Hey, the reason we think of us first and we don't think of others first is because it's about pride. It's about us. It's about selfishness. I'm just telling you that Jesus Christ wasn't like that. Jesus Christ, his, he was the example of a person who simply thought of others. Can I tell you the mind of Christ that we're supposed to let into our life is a thought life of, what does that person think? What does that person need? How can I help that person? That's the mind of Christ of thinking about others. Remember in Isaiah 14, church family, when it talks about Lucifer in Isaiah 14, the five I wills of Satan? I will be like the most high. I will, I will, I will. But when you go to Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, what do you find? Not my will, but thine be done. 
I'm just trying to tell you tonight that the mind of Christ is a thought for others. It's thinking about what do others need, not what I want. It, always go, it all goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden when it came to Eve eating the fruit. And Satan came to Eve and he said in Genesis 3 and verse 6, And when the woman saw the tree that was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her and he did eat. Why did she eat of the fruit? Because she was thinking of herself. She wasn't thinking about anybody else. Excuse me, one of the, pre, one of the uh, services that we had prior to this, we talked about the idea of praying and thinking of others. Can I just tell you that your life would be a whole lot better if you'd start thinking about somebody else and thinking about just you? Amen. We talk about Philippians being that book of joy, and it's very, very interesting in the first chapter of Philippians, it's all about Christ, and the second chapter of Philippians is all about others. And, you know, it goes back to that if you're going to have joy in your life, it can't be because of being self-centered. If you're going to have joy, it's going to be because there's somebody else that needs me. What was the mind of Christ? The mind of Christ is verse number four. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. That verse is not talking about being selfish and looking about what somebody else has and wanting it. It's saying, stop looking on your own things about your own life and what's important to you. Look on the things of others that would help somebody else and it's important to them. You want to fix your marriage? Think of your wife. You want to help your children? Think of your children. You want to help your relationship with other church members? Think of another church member. You know, we don't catch what we actually say because we're very careful not to look selfish and pride. But a lot of times the decisions we make are based upon whether we'll be happy, based upon what we want, based on how it's going to benefit me, and we don't think about somebody else. That's not the mind of Christ. I can quote it now. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him, why would God think of me? Or you. I want to tell you why. Because that's the mind of Christ. Amen. Thinking of others. Look at your next verse. Look at the next, back to Philippians 2. Look at the next thing here. Not only do I see the mind of Christ as Jesus thought of others, and so should we. Look at verse 5, 6, and 7 now. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, obviously, there's a colon. So the rest of this goes with that same kind of mind. Who being in the form of God, Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a what? And was made in the likeness of man. Can I just tell you that the mind of Christ not only thinks of others, but the mind of Christ serves others. We talk about put your money where your mouth is. (laughs) And what we're saying is put your actions where your words are. Well, I love my wife. What have you done for her? Well, I go work. Well, I'm thankful for that, but... You know, I love my children. What have you done for them? I love my church. What have you done for your church? Do you understand that the mind of Christ is not only about a thought, but it's about an action. He says the mind of Christ is about Jesus, who was God, came to this earth as man to serve, to serve as a servant. That word servant there means slave. He did not come the first time as a king, but he came in a stable. He worked as a carpenter. He dwelt among the common people. 
because Jesus was a servant. What did he tell his disciples in Matthew chapter 20, verse number 28 and 29? And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Whoever will be chief among you, let him be your what? Say it. Servant. God wants us to serve others. Uh, uh, go ahead and turn to, we'll just take a moment tonight. I won't be long tonight, but turn to John chapter 13. Flip over to John 13. You remember the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, but a couple things I want to just point out real quickly here. In John chapter 13, in verse number 5 down through verse number 17, we got the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. <clears throat> Uh, I'm going to pick it up in verse number 10. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not to save, talking to Peter, save not to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all, for he knew who should betray him. Verse 12, So after he had washed their feet and had taken their, their, his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you. Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and Master have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Now look at verse 17. What's the first three words? If you know these things, what's going to happen? Happy are ye if what? If you do them. Now, church, what was Jesus trying to teach us? He was trying to teach us the importance of serving people. Why? That's the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Lord, I'd like to have your mind. I'd like to have your attitude. How do, I, how do I get that to happen in my life? Think of somebody else besides yourself. How, how do you get that mind of Christ? Serve somebody else. Serving others. That's what Jesus was trying to get through the, to the disciples. In fact, one time came that Jesus was trying to tell them, hey, listen, you need to do for others for people who can't do back to you. In Luke chapter 14, verse 13, he says this, but when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed. Why? For they cannot recompense thee. For thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. We're all going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and God will give the rewards out. Our reward is not necessarily right, not right this very moment. And God says you ought to look for somebody that can't pay you back. Amen. Why? That's the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ thinks of others. The mind of Christ serves others. Look back at your Bible, Philippians chapter 2, something else now. Look at verse 8. In Philippians chapter number 2, verse number 8, the Bible says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, church family, what did our salvation cost Jesus Christ? It cost his life, did it not? In other words, for you and I to go to heaven, somebody had to pay for sin. Who paid for it? If you pay for your own sin, where do you have to go when you die? How many glad Jesus paid it? And he didn't pay part, he paid all. Je Jesus didn't do his part, and he expects me to live a good life here to try to pay the other part. He paid it all. Now, once I get saved, I want to live for him because I'm saved. And then if I don't, then I'm going to be under the chastisement of God, the chastening hand of God. But thankfully, I'm not under condemnation of hell. If you're saved. But can I tell you something? Salvation wasn't free. It was free to us, but it, there was a cost to salvation. It was the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And I personally believe from the scriptures that all the pain and agony that I would have had to endure in hell, that Jesus Christ endured that on the cross. I just can't get around that fact. I mean, when you look at hell and the things that go on in hell, and you looked at what took place during those, that six hours of time of Jesus Christ hanging on the cross, when he looked up to heaven and said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Every person that has gone to hell is forsaken. 
completely and forever apart from God. That's why God turned his back upon Jesus Christ. I don't believe it was just the sin. I believe it was the picture of what's going to take place when a person dies and go to hell. They will forever be separated from God. Jesus said from the cross, I thirst. Isn't it very interesting in the story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke chapter 16, the one thing he asked for, would you please send Lazarus? He dipped the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Jesus said on the cross, I thirst. Jesus paid it all. He paid the price for our sin. It was not free. It cost him. I'm thankful that it's free to me, though. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I know I'm talking to a majority of people tonight that you're saved tonight, but if there's one person, if there was only one that was in the service tonight that you're not for sure that you're on your way to heaven, I'm just trying to tell you that Jesus paid so you could go to heaven. And you're not going to get to heaven because you come to church or being baptized or live a good life. You're going to get to heaven because you put your faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross. Jesus loves you. He wants you to be saved. He doesn't want you to go to hell. You know, it's a fearful thing that there'd be a young person in our church that you grew up in church and you heard that all of your life, but you never really believed it. Because you're not going to go to heaven because of what you know. You go to heaven because of what you believe. For by grace are ye saved through, not knowledge. Faith. Jesus... That mind of Christ is that he thinks of others. That mind of Christ is that he served others. But that mind of Christ is that he sacrificed for others. You know, many people don't mind serving as long as it doesn't cost them anything. A person once said that ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. I want you to turn over to 2 Samuel 24. I want you to read that verse with me. And again, I know it's probably familiar to you. But 2 Samuel 24, 24. 2 Samuel 24, 24. David sins, 70,000 people die. The death angel with his sword is about over, standing over Jerusalem. And David wants to sacrifice before God. In verse 23, 2 Samuel 23, 23, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel 24, 23, all these things did Arana as a king give unto the king. And Arana said unto the king, the Lord thy God accept thee. And the king said unto Arana, nay, in other words, no. Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me. What's the word? So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. Trimmy, can I just tell you, the mind of Christ is when you're willing to sacrifice for others. I know we had time change this morning, but that's only one day or Sunday out of the year. How many wish that you had an extra hour every Saturday night? Somebody say amen. Excluding today, getting the extra hour, there's a bus worker that gets up every Sunday morning. And they have to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, maybe a little bit earlier, 5 o'clock in the morning, just to get themselves ready, make sure they had their devotions, and get all their stuff together to be able to get on a bus before that bus pulls out. And I want to tell you today, God, I think almost up to 70 degrees, but we're only just a few short weeks away. And when they get on that bus, it'll be an ice-cold seat they're sitting in. Bus broke down today, taking kids home, and a bunch of bus workers who already used their afternoon 
to take kids home, got back even later, and we had to have bus towed today. But they, 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 you know what? There's a sacrifice involved. A Sunday school teacher spent hours preparing a Sunday school class, and they spent hours getting the word understood and then deliver in a matter of 20 or 30 minutes or, or less after studying for hours. There's a sacrifice involved. There's church members in this auditorium that you work 40 to 60 hours a week, but you still make a time to be able to give the gospel to somebody, whether it's through a ministry the church had ordered or soul winning. Can I just tell you, there's a sacrifice involved. Can I add to that? That's the mind of Christ. Jesus was on the Garden of Gethsemane sweating those, those drops of blood, knowing the sacrifice, and he said, hey, Father, if it's your will, would you allow this cup to pass from me? But if not, not my will, but thine be done. Because he knew the sacrifice involved. I think it's Luke's, Luke 16. He talks, it's, it's not Luke 16, it's Luke 13. But he talks about that a person, when they're going to build a tower, they count the cost before they build the tower, unless they not have enough to to be able to finish it. A person who's going to go to war counts the cost that with 10,000 people meeting somebody with 20,000, whether or not he'll win the war on whether or not he should make a, 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 a condition of peace before he, they count the cost. Can I just tell you something? The Christian life is not some easy life if you're going to live for Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I'm just trying to tell you, you know what the mind of Christ is? I've given you three points, but it's really one. It's people. Jesus Christ from heaven, before he ever came here, God the Father saw mankind in their sin and knew that they would have to die and go to hell. And from the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse number 15, when he talks about his seed, that Jesus Christ already prophesied that there would be somebody that would come, a Messiah, to die for us, that God, when he created man, knew that they would mess up, but wanted to make a way of escape. Because you know why? Because he thought of us. God the Father sends the Son, Jesus Christ, who was God, sitting on the throne of heaven so he could come and be a human for 33 and a half years so that he could be like a carpenter and by the sweat of his brow, he would work and he would serve. And all of those miracles, those weren't just things of excitement. Jesus spent all night in prayer. Jesus went and taught thousands of people physically drained. You know why? Because he was here to serve people. He said, the Son of Man has not come for you to minister to him. The Son of Man came so he can minister to others. The word minister means serve. What is that? It's the mind of Christ. And then when you look at Philippians 2, the last thing that's so clear, he became obedient unto death. <laughs> Many of you are called, young people are called millennials. All right. That's another word for lazy. <laughs> I'm telling you, this generation of new thought, new thinking, the Bible's not going to change. It's still work till Jesus comes. Church is not a coffee club. Person walked up, and I remember a church walked up to me this morning. It says, I smoke coffee around here. Where is it? I said, well, I hate to tell you this, but our Sunday school classes, they drink coffee and they eat sometimes. They eat in their classes, but I said, we don't do that in the auditorium. 
he was ready to leave my class and go find another class to be in. There are some godly people who don't need coffee to come to church. Hey, you young people, can I talk to you for just a second here? You guys are in your 20s. Some of you are just into those 30s. I want to tell you something. Somebody sacrificed for you to be able to make it this far in your spirituality, whether they led you to Christ or whether you were raised in a Christian home. And I want to be real frank with you. Some of you are not willing to pay the price. And what we enjoy here as a congregation of being able to serve together, it will be gone if you all don't step up to the plate. Well, I can't go out because Saturday is my only day off and that's my day. Since when is Saturday your day? It's God's day. Every day is his day. You can't, you can't go out soul winning from 10, 10 to 1 because Saturday is your day. And I'm not saying Saturday is the day to go soul winning. All I'm trying to say is, is if you're not careful, you're not counting the cost of your Christianity. You're enjoying your Christianity, but you're not paying the price for your Christianity. That's not the mind of Christ. Listen, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings tonight, but that's not the mind of Christ. That's my mind. That's my flesh mind. I should be able to take it easy. I shouldn't have to be able to do that. I shouldn't have to do that. That's not the mind of Christ. Amen. I want to tell you what the mind of Christ is. And, I'm, I'm, and by the way, can I just say, I'm chief offender here. This is not a matter of you and, and pastor. I, I am the chief offender. You know, you all have it easy, by the way. I just want to tell you, when it comes to the service time, because I have to study this and get under conviction before I can even talk to you. And I'm thinking, why am I going to tell them? I'm the one that's guilty. I want your mind, Christ. I want your mind. I want that kind of mind. I don't have that kind of mind like I should have where I think of others, where I serve others, and where I'm willing to sacrifice for others. That's the kind of mind I'm supposed to have because it's the mind Christ had. question is tonight, is that the kind of mind you have? A missionary was in Brazil, and he went to a festival. And at this festival, they had different booths where people were selling things. And he came across this one booth, and the missionary said that when he got to this particular booth, there was a sign across the top, and the sign said this, cheap crosses. Obviously, they were selling crosses or crucifixes there. But the missionary wrote, and he said, you know what? When I saw that sign, cheap crosses, it made me think of Christianity because so many Christians want to live the Christian life as if the cross is cheap. I'm just telling you, it's not cheap. Amen. And I'm going to say that no matter what price you pay in this life, it can't come close to what Christ paid for you. Amen. I don't deserve to go to heaven. I don't deserve to be able to have the gospel given to me. I don't deserve to grow up in a Christian home. I don't deserve to be able to preach his word. Church family, if we're going to have the mind of Christ... Tonight, when you say, Lord, help me to think of others more than I've ever thought of people before. Yes, I need to pray for myself, but help me to think about others. Help me to help my thought pattern to be, what does that person need? Where's that person at? How can I help them? How can I disciple them? How can I give that gospel track to that person? When I see somebody in a restaurant or somebody in a store, help me to think about their eternal destiny. Help me to have the mind of Christ where I'm thinking of somebody else instead of just thinking about my, my thoughts, my job, my actions. What's helped me to think of somebody else because that's what Christ did. God, help me to serve others. 
Help me to get after this thing that my time is so short as far as whether it's helping out at the Capital City Baptist Church or whether it's helping out in a class or whether it's working on a bus route or whatever I can serve. Maybe it's a church member that's going through a rough time that you just simply need me to come over and help them in a certain area of their life. Church we have we have two or three or four of our, our millennial, of our, I'm sorry, of our seniors that can't get out. When's the last time you went over to their house and said, hey, can I clean your house or something I can do to help you? I'm just trying to say the mind of Christ is serving. And probably the hardest one is number three, the mind of Christ is sacrifice. And it's not sacrifice for you. It's sacrificing for somebody else. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. God, I need that mind, and I want that mind. And may I be ever reminded this week that that's the mind I need to have. Would you bow your head and close your eyes tonight?